Bibles in front of you. Uh, you can grab hold of one of those, page number on the screen, so you can get there with us. If you're wanting to use a Bible app on your, on your phone or device, you can do that as well. But either way, one way or another, we are inviting you to be in the Word of God with us, longing that it would be His Word that is just speaking to us, drawing us two things that he has us uh, for this morning. So here in the sanctuary, we're speaking that. If you're in our overflow, same thing, grab a Bible. If you're online, same thing, grab a Bible. Join us this morning so that God would speak to us uh, through his word. Let's ask him for that. I'm going to lead you in prayer. Let's ask that God give us ears to hear what he speaks to us this day. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful. You've told us that it doesn't return to you void without accomplishing the purposes for which you sent it. In a very simple and childlike way, I ask for that, that the purpose for which you've sent your word, the things that you spoke in it and through it would speak to us today. Give us ears to hear that, hear what you have said, and hear what you're saying. For God, you are still a God who yet speaks. You speak through your word. It's a, it's a living book. It's alive. Your voice is alive. God, help us to hear this day your voice, your spirit speak in this time. Meet us right here where we are. Meet us in this time and space, directing our lives into the things that you have in store for us. We ask for that together, and we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. New Year's Day. I don't know how this day finds you. I don't know how you have processed New Year's Eve yesterday to New Year's Day. I found it interesting. You know, I think I'm looking at different places around the world and ways that different cultures kind of face this. Many of you guys know these and more, I think about it, uh, in Brazil. It's very common to wear white uh, as kind of almost this idea of just warding off that which is evil, kind of stepping into that which is new. Uh, actually, in Turkey, they, they wear like red underwear, which is just, I probably didn't even want to know that. But it's kind of same deal, kind of thinking, hey, we just want to kind of step towards that which is good and, and real. Uh, in Colombia, they carry suitcases, uh, kind of empty suitcases around as kind of as a desire to kind of move into those things that would be kind of hope-filled of travel and, and being a part of things that are there. In Denmark, they often smash plates kind of as a kind of a way of just saying, hey, the, the old is gone, the new, we want to enter into that and ward off that which is evil and that kind of thing. In Ecuador, uh, they create effigies of politicians and pop figures and they burn them. Not a bad idea. Not a bad, just, no, just kidding. Just no. Uh, but uh, in, in one sense, just kind of fun to see. In Spain, uh, they often, at the, at the toll of the, of the clock at midnight, just are eating a grape at each toll to kind of welcome in just the beginning of the new year and, and just the longing for good that's there. Uh, we think about in Switzerland, they actually drop dollops of ice cream, which is a waste. I mean, it's ice cream, folks. Um, <laughs> But just saying, you know, they, but just kind of as a place of saying that it would be entering into that which is good. Crazy things and just things around the world. But I find myself just thinking, I wonder about you. As we are here, first day of a new year, I wonder where it finds you. And here's what I can pretty much just guess. I think it really just is in a very wide category this morning. Some of you, you, you really love this. You love the beginning of a new year. You love the thought of a new hope. And, and you love kind of, you know, New Year's resolutions. And you kind of embrace that. And you're kind of one of those people that just loves this whole kind of fresh start. And, and welcome, we're glad. 
Then there are some of you, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, you're like, it's just another day, folks. You know, it's just, you know, there's not anything different than yesterday. It doesn't mean anything to you. You, you kind of find it silly, and, and you look upon it, and you think, hey, I don't, I'm just, it doesn't work. It doesn't, you know, what a, what a, what a crazy thing that you go there. And so we kind of have, you know, full extremes, and then a whole bunch in the middle. For most of you, you're somewhere in the middle. You're like, you know, it's kind of interesting, it's okay, you know, it's, you know, kind of a good, you know, but at the same point, you just, it's not massive to you, and in one way or another, you find yourself there kind of processing that. Now, again, all those are just real, wherever that is, it finds you, but I want to challenge you for a moment that there ought to be something that speaks bigger and louder, that there ought to be something that you could understand that there's desires that flow into many in a New Year's day, in a New Year's kind of space that God has for us in living out our lives, and we get to have it. Yeah, that's what it talks about here in Romans. You got your Bibles there. You might just notice in verse 4, it says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Catch this. We'll come back and talk about that other in a moment, but catch this last place. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Newness of life, that is what we get to be a part of. That is what God is inviting us to do. And today, it's my invitation to you. It is my invitation to you to not just walk in a new year, but walk in the newness of life. Walk in the newness of life. Now, let's process that just for a moment, thinking through what we have here. And I want to begin by just saying, the need is to be new. The Bible tells us that that's exactly what's possible, that if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then I get to tell you something, that it's possible. It is possible for you to be made new. It's kind of what it gives us there as you kind of look there in verse 3 of chapter 6. It says, do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, verse 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Now, I recognize that's a mouthful. For a few of you, you totally tracked with everything Paul just said, kind of the metaphors that he's using. Others of you are like, I have no idea what you just read, Jim. I mean, it's just, what did we just say? Well, let me give it to you in a very simple way. Jesus, he came, and he died on the cross for our sins. He paid the price uh, on the cross for our sins, and then he rose again three days later, and then he invited us to become followers of him and to believe in him, and if you become a true follower of Jesus and you're born again, you're connected to that, so that in Jesus's death, you died. In Jesus's death, your sin and all that would have been yours died there on, on the cross, and when Jesus rose, his, his resurrection is ours. His life now becomes ours so that it is through the death and resurrection of Christ that we actually get this ability to be made new. In fact, Paul would say it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone, anyone is in Christ, this is what's happened. Now, this is really, really exciting, so just try to think it through together with me. It's a new year. It's a new year, and there's something for many that has this sense of hope, but I want to just tell you what you probably already know. It doesn't actually work. 
I mean, a new year doesn't create anything new. It doesn't make anything else go away. And for so many, their new year's hopes are soon dashed. And you find yourself thinking, well, you know, maybe it's a waste of time or how do we even go there? But I would tell you there's a longing. There's a longing in our hearts to be made new. That he tells in Ecclesiastes, for so many of you guys are reading with us there in chapter 3, that he, you know, eternity's put there in our hearts, that he's given us this hunger, this desire for this, and it can't be found anywhere else, but it is found in Christ. That, that there is a, that ability to be new, for the old to be gone, for the, for the weight of sin, for the weight of our past, for the weight of our failures to be gone. That is exactly what it is to become a follower of Jesus. And I'm speaking to you here this morning who are not yet followers of Jesus first. And I want to just tell you, we invite you to Jesus. We want to tell you what you need is not found in a new year. It's found in Christ. It is found that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. That in his death and resurrection becomes the source where that newness can be found. Where you can become brand new. Where you can be born again, as Jesus says. And if that's you today, I mean, I'm just doing everything I just... I want to say it better. I want to say it more powerfully. Holy Spirit, just speak it. If that's you, we just invite you that you would say that that somehow through the window of this longing for newness, that you would say it's in Christ. That's what we get to have. And I invite you to be new, to become new, to become a follower of Jesus in that newness of life to become yours. That's an invitation. It's an invitation, again, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, to that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, and many of you are, then the call to you is to believe it, to actually believe in what he's promising us there, that this newness of life is ours. Now, I want to just read this whole section. There's a bunch in it, but I think it would be helpful for us just to read it, and then we'll talk a tiny bit about it. So let's go back to verse 3 and just start there one more time. Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, We also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God likewise. You also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Wow. Again, 
Romans is powerful, and there's just deep theology, deep weight in all that's there, and maybe even reading through some of that would just invite you to say, I want to understand what he said, but he's inviting us to understand what took place. He's not, to, he's not inviting you for this to happen. If you're a follower of Jesus, all that he spoke of has happened. It is who you are, and he invites you to reckon it. He invites you to believe that. Noticing again how he says it there in verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Reckon's this really fun word that I want you to understand because we're going to see it here and in another passage this morning. It's the Greek word legizomai, and it really is a word that in that, that culture would be an accounting word. The kind of word that you would be, you know, pulling out your checkbook, if you will reconciling your bank statement, if you will, and saying, okay, I want to just reconcile what's mine. I want to recognize what I actually have. I want to see what's there. And he wants to call us to be able to recognize what is true and then live in light of what is true, that you would live our act on that inventory. It's probably a funny way to say it. I was trying to think about a better way to say it, but let me just try to give it to you almost illustratively. Let's say somebody came and told you, hey, I've put a billion dollars in your checking account. Your goal is to make sure you believe that. If you actually believe it, you could actually begin to like, recognize, I got a billion dollars. I mean, if you don't believe it, even if you saw your bank statement, you'd be like, it's a mistake. They're going to take it back away. I just know. Like, I am not going to draw one penny from that because it's, you know, it's surely not going to be mine. But the, the, the goal of this is saying, hey, it's yours. I, I've put this deposit in your account. Like, this is yours. This is who you are. And part of the goal in Christ is not to earn that because we can't, but begin to say, okay, I see it. I see what he's done for me. And now I want to live that out. I want, I want to believe that. I want to be one that, that sees what that is and say, okay, because I know that, because I recognize that, it should change how that works out in my life. Well, that's where we're wanting to aim this morning because that's what he talks to us about. That's where we go back there in verse 4 where he calls us to live it out. So go back and just see it one more time there in verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism and death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We should. We ought to live this way. This is who we are, that he's inviting us to do this. So let's think about it again. It's a new year. It's January 1st, 2023. I don't know how that lands for you. I don't know if you're excited for it. I don't know if you have made New Year's resolutions or you even do such things, but I want to tell you those are shadows. Those are shadows of the reality. And anything that speaks hopeful into those kinds of things only holds a dim shadow to what we actually have in Christ. We get to do it. We actually get to live in newness of life. That there's an invitation that our Christian life is meant to be one. That whatever you know, feelings that might be good on a New Year's Day, it's like, boy, that's what I have in Christ every single day. That's the life that I get to live. I get to enjoy actual 
newness. I get to walk in that. And God calls us to this all the way through his word. Let me just give you a few passages that will only kind of back that up and again, speak it to us in a way that hopefully will draw us to live it out. I think about it in Ephesians 4. He says that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. They were to put off our old man and be renewed and then put on this new man that's ours in Christ there in the context. But it's a powerful reality. He says, I want you to be new again. I want, you, I want you to be renewed in this. I want you to step into it today. And today, I want you to be new again. I want you to, to, to recognize the newness that's there. I want you to step afresh into what that newness would be. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it says it this way, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man uh, is perishing, true story, physically. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Newness for us, it's not January 1st, 2023. Newness for us is January 1st and January 2nd and January 3rd and January 4th and February 3rd and March 14th. And yeah, you get it. I mean, it's every day that there's a, this newness, what it is, it's ours. Like we are meant to day by day enjoy newness. We are day by day to be stepping into what new is and let that be how we're living. In fact, in Romans 12, says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by that renewing of our mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. It says God, God wants to work his perfect will in you. He wants to draw you to everything that is, and part of what would get you there is walking in this newness, walking in, in just the newness of what God has for you, having your mind and heart stepping into that, and it would draw you to the life that is laid out there. Now, that's an incredible reality. That's a space where today he would be inviting us to do it, that when you think about newness, it ought to be you. It ought to be you, because Christian, you have something that nobody else in the world has, and they want it. They want it in ways they define it, you know, in some of the silly traditions that I began you with, with people throwing plates against the wall or carrying empty suitcases or whatever it is. There's something that people are like, I want, I want a fresh start. I want, I want, I want, I want to begin again. I want to, you know, push off the things that are holding me back. I long for something that's new. The world is longing for it, and you have it. It is yours you got to believe it. you got to believe that. you got to believe that so that you begin to say, okay, I want to step towards what that looks like. I want to I step more towards what that is. And today on this day, I just want to invite you afresh to it. I want to invite you to press into everything that God has for you. I want to invite you to be living that out in a way that would just step well into that. Now, I love this passage here again in Romans where it calls us to do that, to walk. Just that the picture of walking has the idea of consistent daily progress. Whenever you hear the word walk in Scripture, it talks about that. The kind of thing that you would just be saying, okay, I'm just going to take the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. I'm just going to walk. I want to walk in what this is. Well, there's a, a reality that you and I are meant to be doing that, and so I want to just challenge you to that, and in that, I want to just take you to a passage in Philippians that is a well-known passage, but one of my favorites to think through in the midst of this that will help us kind of figure out, like, how do we do that? So there in Philippians, some of you know it, Paul's giving us testimony, and 
there in chapter 3, he uses this idea of I'm pressing. In fact, he's going to kind of bookend the thought with that word press, so I just underline it there on the screen so you can see it. Paul says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm pressing, he says. I am pressing towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's telling us, hey, I'm pressing. I'm seeking that. I'm looking for that. I'm wanting that. That's what I'm holding out to you is this idea of walking in newness in part that should be seeking to do that. So in that, I take you back there to verse 13. And in this, he gives us really three things that make this very, very helpful to put it into to, to process. So I'm just going to kind of push the verse over there to the side so that we can see it. And then I want you just to think through three quick things with me that will help you understand how to do this. So the first one is that he's calling us to what I'm going to call a calculated dissatisfaction. Yeah, he gives it to us there at the beginning. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Count. Uh, That's a good one for you to notice because it's actually the same word used there in Romans chapter 6. It's that accounting word, legizomai. Just translate reckon in in Romans chapter 6. I count or I reckon this to be true. I'm, I'm believing this. This is that kind of space where you are knowing and acting on what is yours. So in Romans 6, the idea is telling us, hey, you got to believe it. You need to believe what Jesus has really accomplished for your life and then live it out. That's also found here, but put in another way. It's the idea of recognizing that there's so much more for you. There's so much more for you than you yet have. There's more in Christ for you than you are yet enjoying. There's more for you in in the midst of all that, that you are in this space where you ought to be recognizing there's more. That's what Paul is saying. This is Paul the Apostle who says, you know, here's what I mean. I'm not already perfected, he says. I haven't entered into everything that God has. In fact, I count it. I I, I reckon it as there's more for me. I'm recognizing there is more for me in the life that God has for my life today. I want you to believe that. I want you to believe it. I want you to believe that right now there is more. There is more that God has for you. There is more that God has for your soul. There is more that God wants to show you. There are more that God wants to teach you. There's more that God wants to bring your life into, and that's a needed belief because maybe the greatest danger is that we can begin to settle where we are, that we can begin to settle where we are in the Christian life. D.L. Moody said it this way. He says, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding in things in life that do not really matter. He says, it shouldn't just be that you're afraid of, of, of failure. You should be afraid of living a life that doesn't really matter. You should be afraid of of succeeding in things that mean nothing in the gaze of eternity. You should be afraid of of living a life that falls short of of really being all that God has and the things that he is seeking to do in your life. I think about it this way. In the book of Zephaniah, God is looking at the state of of Israel, and it's a a sad moment in their history. 
And he says, it will come to pass at that time, I'm going to search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who notice are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. One of the scary pictures is just to think about this idea that there is a place of being settled in complacency, a, a place where you just get to the place of like, eh, this is life. This is where it is. It's not really going to get any better. You know, I don't really expect God to judge. I don't really expect it to go bad, but you're not really looking for more. And can I say this gently, but as serious as I can? One of my great concerns for us is that for some of us, honestly, that's where we are. Maybe even much of Christianity in America, that people get to the place where they've grown enough. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, there were days I, you know, tried harder, you know, but now I've just, you know, I'm just kind of coasting till I die, you know, as long as I, you know, just, I'm just going to make it to the end of life. It's good enough, you know, I'm, I'm better than most, you know, I'm not as bad as everybody else or as mad as some, and I've, I've just kind of, and for many people's Christian lives, it's no longer pursuing. It's no longer pursuing. But hear me clearly, that's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God for you. Think about it in that well-known passage in Philippians 1, where he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amazing, amazingly good just news here that if you're in Christ, if you're in him, we have this confidence. If God started it, he's going to keep doing that until the day that he comes back. So let me put it to you in a different way. If you've grown complacent, he has not. If you're okay with where you are, he is not. He, he, he has not given up on you. He has not looked at you and said, you know what? You're difficult. That, you're just, we're just going to let you survive till you die, okay? Because I don't even want to try with you any longer. Some of you think that's how God feels about you. You're kind of like, you know, he, he used to work on me, but now he doesn't. He doesn't really try any longer. He kind of figured out that I'm just a hard head and slow, you know, learner, whatever that is. And I'm just telling you, it's not true. God is looking at you and saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. I want to show you more. I want to take you deeper into who I am. I want you to know me more, God would say to you. I want to work in your life more. There are things that you have not even begun to see or understand that God is telling you today. Hey, I have this for you. I have this for you. And part of that is where it needs to begin. If you could only get to this first step, it would be good. It would be really, really good. If you could sit here this morning and say, there's more. You know, I, there's more for my life. There's more that God would have for my life. There's more that he would show me. And, and, I, and I recognize that. I recognize that God wants more for me and that there's more available to me in Christ, that there's greater depth and greater meaning and greater point that if you could just say, okay, I count it. I, I, I account it to my soul. I, I look at it and say, there is more for me to apprehend. There's more for me to bring into my Christian life than I'm yet enjoying. That would be good. That would be a really, really good beginning. So Paul says, that's what I'm doing. I don't count myself. I don't count myself to have apprehended, he says. But, he says, he then gives us the second thing, that he's consistent, just very consciously forgetting those things which are behind. Notice again how he says it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. 
one thing I do, which is one of those powerful ways of saying it. Like, this is a really big deal. Like, this is serious. Like, there's one thing that is just, just tying into this whole thing that I am forgetting those things that are behind. The simple deal is that our past can often hold us down, that our past can often keep us from what God has for us in the future. Now, it actually goes a couple of different directions. Sometimes they have the idea of us almost wishing to live in the past, almost in that space of, boy, the good old days, you know, kind of deal. Those were the good things. Those were good spaces. And yet God invites us away from that. If you're reading with us in the book of Ecclesiastes, right, you just read this. There in chapter 7, reading yesterday, uh, he said it this way. He says, do not say, why were the former days better than these? He says, for you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Like your ability to see that is not either clear or accurate. Can I say it again in the most lovingly and yet gentle way? Don't live in the past. Don't be one of those people that just, you know, is always like, oh, it was so much better. It was so much better 10 years ago. It was so much better 15 years ago. It was so much better. It's not wise. It's not, it's not a, you, you can't see it. It's not how God invites you to live. In fact, he's inviting you to live today. One of my favorite quotes that I share with you guys every now and then is from Jim Elliott, who said, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, like whatever, whatever space you are, whatever place you are, be fully present. If you're again reading with us in Ecclesiastes, you read it today, right? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it, do it with all your might. Wherever you are, be fully in that space. Be fully in the midst of what that would be. Be fully in the place where, where that's what you're longing for it to be there. That there would be a space of saying, you know what? I'm not, yet, I'm not, not in yesterday. I'm in today. And, and, and to be able to be there would say, okay, I want what today has. I want what today has. I, you know, there is no way to go back 10 years. There is no way even to go back a year. I'm here. Don't let the past hold you down. Don't be one of those people that spends their days reliving the glory days, reliving the days of, of those things because they weren't that glorious. You don't remember them well. You don't see it as well as you think you do, and it's not helpful. Be the person that says, I'm, I, I want him to be with Jesus today. I want to walk today in what he has for me. So in one sense, you can't live in the past. That's helpful. But on the other sense, you can overcome the past that we get the ability in Christ to enjoy forgiveness, right? I mean, think about this with me for a moment. I think about that well-known passage there in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He invites us in Christ to be the one who is dealing with our sin and asking for forgiveness. And He says, if you're going to do that, if you, if you do this, He does. If you're that person who steps into Christ, embraces what he has, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's think about this today again in the idea of a new year. See, the thing about a new year is it doesn't actually work, right? So like anybody who's thinking, okay, it's 2023, like my past is gone. It is not gone. Like if you got a speeding ticket a week ago, you're still going to have to pay it in 2023. Right? It's like, it's a new year. You know, I don't have to, like, it doesn't work that way. Like, it, the, the, the change of the year doesn't change any of those things. But in Christ, it does. What you have in Christ is what people long for. I, I, I want my past not to hold me down. 
I, I want to be forgiven. I want, I want to be one that, you know, that the mistakes and the failures that have marked me, they don't have to own me today. That I can be in that space of saying, I could be new. I, I could walk in the newness of life. I could walk in everything that's there. And that's exactly what God has for us. Now, maybe that makes sense, but let's think about it a little bit more deeply and maybe in another way. So part of what we're being invited to here and forgetting our past and pressing into everything God has is to step into what we sometimes understand is our sanctification. That's a great biblical word that is a part of our salvation. Let's just think it through this way. Let me kind of slide my page over. When we think about our salvation, sometimes theological terms that people use that kind of define this would be the ideas of justification, sanctification, glorification. They're biblical words, by the way. They're found like in Romans 8, where it says, you know, all those who are, who are justified are also sanctified and will be glorified in Christ. It's a way of looking at our salvation and seeing the whole package, the whole package, that if you're a follower of Jesus, these aspects of our salvation, they are yours. You don't get a part of it, you get the whole deal. So what are these? Quick, simple, childlike definitions, but maybe helpful. So when we talk about justification, it has the idea that if you believe on Jesus, that the penalty of your sin is entirely washed away, that all of, of the weight that would ever be ours, everything that is nailed to the cross, we don't have it any longer, that's no longer a part of our lives. Sanctification has the idea that we're now freed from the power of sin. Sin no longer is our boss, which is a lot of what Romans 6 had told us. Like, we got to believe it. Like, you're no longer under that. You're no longer a slave of that. It no longer has to be there for you. And then glorification pictures the idea that eventually we're going to be absolutely free from the presence of sin. So thinking about it in another way. So justification, it becomes instantaneously yours the moment you believe upon Jesus, the moment you're born again. The very moment you're born again, old things pass away, all things have become new. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that moment you believed upon Jesus, you're sin. Not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. Your sin is totally paid for once for all in Christ so that now there is no condemnation for you. There is no space that will ever be held against you. And that's glorious. That is glorious. That is, that is heaven. That is, that is a space that if you could believe that, that would be incredible. We gaze forward to glorification and we understand this. That's when we're going to be in heaven when there's no more curse, there's no more sin, there's no more pain. I mean, and all that sin was will never, ever, ever even be a problem for us. You'll never struggle with temptation. You'll never have any of that more. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's coming. That's, that's not a question. That's not a maybe. This isn't held out to you as a carrot. That is yours. You know, we sang it this morning. You know, I'm fighting a battle that he's already won. I mean, I've already won. I mean, this isn't one of these things that I'm fighting to gain a victory. I already have it. That's mine. So we're called to believe that, but this idea of sanctification is how that's continually living out today. It's kind of this continuous place of Christian living. It is this aspect that we need to think through for a moment. Now, maybe helpful for all of us, but I absolutely feel that I'm speaking to somebody specifically, maybe more than one, but you know, as I kind of put this together, I knew that just that God was just putting it in my heart to say it this way. I know I'm speaking to somebody who believes the first and the third of this. I know I'm speaking to somebody who you actually do believe that you've believed upon Jesus and your sin is paid for. You also believe that heaven's coming and you're not going to struggle anymore. 
But somehow, that hasn't worked its way out daily for you. Somehow, your Christianity is all about, I was born again, and I'm going to heaven. Instead of saying, yeah, those are true, but there's this process in the middle that is still a part of living this thing out. That this work that rescued me from sin, that's going to free me forever from sin, is still a part of what he's seeking to do in my life today. Where I get to walk in that. Where I get to, to, to live in a space where the, the battle with sin is being fought and won and, and gloriously in this new life that's mine in Christ. And think about it this way. In Ephesians, it would speak about it as Christ, that he would seek to do this in us kind of picturing it through the, the lens of marriage, if you know the whole context. But he says, Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. He has given himself for us, he has rescued us, but he is washing us. He is washing us. He is washing us like he washed the disciples' feet. He is washing us and seeking to do in a place that this is meant to be. This part of our daily life. That part of our daily life is a part of this sanctification, which is being washed, being forgiven. It is living in this new space in Christ that is ours. In other words, everything that people want in a new year, you and I are meant to live every day that we're able to say, you know what? Yeah. You know, God, wash me, cleanse me. Forgive me for, for, for where I failed yesterday, this morning. Like, let me, let, me, let me know that and let that no longer have its hold on me. Let me step afresh into this next moment in the new life that's mine in Christ. Like, I get to do that every day. I get to do that every day. I should be doing that every day. There's a new life for me. There's, there's a fresh life that's mine to be lived in Christ that is a part of my daily being that's meant to be there. And again, everything I'm just longing to say is to tell you, do you see it? Do you have any idea that you have in Christ what everybody you know, around the world longs for in a new year in, in some small way or another? You have it all the time. But he's inviting us to live it. He's inviting us to say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that because I'm going to recognize that the past has no longer got a hold on me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to believe that today, like right now, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day to live with Jesus. It's a new day to walk in the new life that's mine in Christ. And I actually get to have it. I actually get to enjoy that. I actually get to experience the, the, this, this place that isn't just the beginning of my salvation. It's my constant joy. It's the constant place of sanctification in my life that is meant to be life-giving. It is meant to be this part of Jesus washing you and saying, let's wash it away. Let's, let's forgive you. Let's step to newness today that you get to have all that this is. He's calling us to that. So you got to believe it. You got to believe that there's more for you in Christ. You got to not be held by the past. There's one other quick key here in this text, and that is to press after what is ahead. Yeah, you notice it there. He says that he, you know, he says, after this, forgetting those things which are behind, he says, now I'm reaching. I'm reaching for those things which are ahead. Not complicated, probably pretty easy. Reaching actually is an athletic word, it has the idea of stretching. 
is, is if you're, you see something that's in front of you, and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're putting all your muscle, you're putting everything you can as if to reach out and grab that which is laid right in front of you. That's what he's inviting us to, to this place of seeking that which is in your life not yet true. Okay. Here's where, again, I wanted to speak to you. Because I know this. I know that, again, for some of you, you're not doing this. And I, and I mean it lovingly, kindly. You have settled. You have settled for your Christian life where it is. And I'm sorry. There's so much more for yours in Christ. I just want to invite you to believe it. I want you to believe that Jesus has more for you than you're yet enjoying. There's, there's a greater relationship with God. There's, there's more for you to know Him. There's more He wants to do with your life. There's more He wants to do through your life. You need to believe that give up the past, give up the failures that, that kept you down, and then today, say, I'm after it. I'm after it. I am pressing after something in front of me. So I guess I'm asking, are you? Are you? Are you today stretching, reaching for something you don't yet have in Christ? Again, for some of you, you are. It's a new year. It's a brand new year, and so you've made New Year's resolutions. Maybe it's like, I'm going to read the Bible every day this year. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to share the gospel more. You know, I don't know what that was, and I want to tell you, if that's what you're doing, well done, but hear me. If, you, if it's a New Year's resolution, there's incredible problems with that, because what happens when you've already blown it by Thursday? You know, I mean, it's like, okay, it's like, do you have to wait for 2014, you know, 2024? You're like, okay, you know, we're going to wait. A whole... No, in Christ, it's a daily thing. It's like, I'm going to get back up and stretch again. I'm going to get back up and stretch again. But the idea of a problem with a New Year's resolution is that people want something instantaneously. And I know that you know that. But this isn't that. This is a stretching out. So let's just imagine with me for a moment, maybe for somebody you've done this, where you've kind of begun a year and you said, you know what, this year I want to run a marathon. This year I'm, I'm going to run a marathon. Crazy. I would never do it, by the way, but if you've done it, well done. Um, but just, I don't like running, but hey, just, but the illustration works, so sorry. Um, but if you've done that, you know how it works, right? So that means tomorrow you run and you make it around the block. I mean, you're like, okay, I'm dead. I'm dead. I mean, do you get, well, I, I, can't do, I couldn't do it. I, did, I didn't make it. No, no, that's like, okay, that's good, that's good. But I'm stretching. I, I'm reaching. And so my goal is maybe the next day I want to go a little farther. And the next day I want to go a little farther. And, and, and give me another month. And I'm going to say, I want to go farther. I, I, I want to keep pressing till I reach that. I know it's in front of me. And I'm not satisfied with my present progress. I'm reaching for something. Are you reaching for anything in Christ? Let's again just be really practical about this. Are you? Is there anything right now in your Christian life? Maybe again it's found itself on a New Year's resolution. Maybe you don't even do that, but it should be something as a part of your life that today you're saying there is. There's something that God has laid upon me. I feel it. I see it. All right, maybe again it, it is just, boy, I, this, I, I want to dive more into God's word, and I feel it. And you know what? I, I might blow it Thursday, but I'm going to get back up on Friday, and I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep stretching until I grow more and more in His Word. Maybe He's in drawing you into prayer, and He's inviting you, hey, you, you can pray so much more than you're doing. There's so much more I have for you. Then there ought to be a space that you're saying, I'm attempting it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself. I'm doing something that is stretching out my, my muscles because I want it. I want something. Maybe, again, for you, it's sharing the gospel. 
Maybe you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to commit to sharing the gospel at least once a week. Or I know people who have committed to say, I'm, I'm going to share the gospel every single day. And I'm going to do it. And you may, maybe you'll fail some days. But the idea is get back up and say, I, I, I want this to be a part of my life. I don't know what it is. There's a thousand things that it is. And the beauty of it is that God is working it. He who has begun a good work in you is faithful. He is seeking to work this in you today. He is inviting you to do that. I love the way it gives it to us earlier in Philippians, back a chapter, where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. There's this beautiful just balance in these verses. Let me just begin by just telling you, hey, God is faithful. He is working. He, Philippians 1, 6, he has started a good work in you, he's still doing it, and he's trying to give you a desire that when I talk to you about stretching out for something, there are things that God is inviting and he's whispering to you. I have more for you. I have more. There's more for you here. Would you, would you try? Would you come this direction? He would be the power and strength to do that, that he would give you the, the ability where you would work in you both to will and to do, both to desire and to accomplish that which he has for us. God is doing that, but he invites you to do it. The beginning of the verse part there, the beginning of this uh, phrase of it, He says, hey, do that. Work it out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The idea of fear and trembling is this, you know, really this understanding, like, if I don't really work this out, you know, I'm going to fail. I mean, it's this place of taking it seriously that if we can just kind of use the metaphor that we've been using, work out. Like, stretch your muscles. Like, press. Like, you know, if you want to be able to, you know, run the marathon, start running. Start, start, start taking the, the steps, start pressing forward. If you're wanting to lift, you know, more weight, start lifting, start, work it out, like do this. I mean, make something that you're seeking to do because that's what he's inviting you to do. That's again, part of walking in this newness. It's part of what invites people into a new year. Again, you know that, right? That's the idea of a new year's resolution where people are like, okay, yeah, you know, this year I'm going to lose weight or this year I'm going to you know, read my Bible or do these things. There's something about that that speaks of that. But it's what we get to have all the time in Christ. It's what we're supposed to be doing. It's what the Christian life is supposed to be doing. In fact, Paul goes on here in Philippians 3. He says, wherever you've gotten to in this, hey, walk in that. And if not, God's going to teach it to you because this is what he's teaching all of us. Like this is what he's trying to draw us into so that we would say, that's how I'm doing life. That, that looks like me. I mean, I'm, try, I'm this person who is in this space right now that I know there's more. There's more for me in Christ. You know what? I, I'm not held by what's in the past. I'm walking in a brand new day. I'm walking in a newness in Christ, and I want it. I want it. I want what God has for me. I, I, I'm going to stretch for it. I'm going to press for it. I'm going to reach out for it. I'm going to walk in that. And I just want to invite you to do that. I want to invite that to be a part of your Christian life where you are doing that so that you're not the person who is settled in the complacency. You're not the person that is, you know, that you've begun your Christian life and there were those days where, you know, brand new things and now you've just kind of peeked out into some level place that is never meant to be who we are. May God draw us to be that we would say with the Apostle Paul. I mean, this man who is way beyond all of us, probably in his spiritual maturity, he says, I am not there. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I am reaching, I'm stretching for those things that are in front of me. Like, I want it. 
I want all that that is. Today, that's my invitation to you. It is this space that we're thinking about walking in this newness of life that I just want to hold out to you there. So let's wind up there. So you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, and things that you have open, and let me just once more just bring this to a close and say, I wonder what God has spoken to you today. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, then I need to again say it as clear as I can. This is not yours. You do not have this. A new year doesn't produce it, and nothing in this world can. So many things that long for that, and I hope that even now you feel it, that you would sense, I I long for new. I long for forgiveness. I long for, for life. And if that is you today, we invite you to Jesus. We invite you to be born again. We invite you to give your life to him and, and, and to be new, to enter into brand new life. If that's you today, today again, in a moment, we're going to pray. We invite you to ask him to be your savior and then come up after the service, talk to us. We would love to walk with you in that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope you see it. I hope what you would be able to look at this and say, new, that's me. I walk in newness. New year, I I live a new life. I walk day by day in what newness is. That is what I get to enjoy. What everybody's hungry for in this world, I have. And let it be what you're doing. That you walk intentionally, purposely, reaching out, stretching out in this idea of longing for new life. That you would be that one that would press on into that. So, let me take a moment, let's take a quiet moment and just ask God for that. As we do this on Sunday mornings, we kind of end and just say at this moment, wherever that was for you, we want to give you this next moment that you would just take a quiet moment, that you would ask that God would make this impact into you. And so giving you this space, we want to invite you uh, to quietly pray. I'll do the same thing, and then we'll continue into worship in just a moment. But right now, just a moment for you, let's go before God and ask that He would help us to walk in newness of life.
God, right now I thank you that new is what you actually work. For those here that don't know you, I cry out now that you would draw them to their need of Christ, to a recognition that nothing in this world could ever actually make them new, that their sin, the weight of their failures, they do weigh upon their soul, not only dragging them down in this life, But if that sin isn't dealt with, it will drag them down to an eternity in hell. And God, we ask for rescue. We ask this morning for these who are in that space, who don't know you, that you would awaken their hearts to the need of Christ. You draw them to believe in the death and resurrection of Christ. That in your crucifixion, in your death, their sin would be dealt with. And in your life, they would find life. God, thank you that you do that, that for everyone who is in Christ, they become new. Thank you for that. We pray that now for those who don't know you. But then for those of us who do, we've talked about newness. We've talked about what that looks like. And Lord, I thank you that this is exactly what you have for us, that we get to actually have what our world longs for. I find it funny. <laughs> I find it entertaining at times to look around our world and look at different New Year's tra- just traditions that people have and think about kind of the, the, the funniness of it, but almost the ineffectiveness of it. Like, this is not going to work. That doesn't actually change anything. But I recognize something, that people long for it. They long to, to leave the past behind. They long for, for, for new and, and, and to begin again and to enter into what you have. And God, I'm so thankful that that's what you have for us. So with the Apostle Paul, I just want to come into your presence and say, Lord, I I recognize it. I know that there's more for me than what I have in Christ. I know there's more for us in in knowing you and loving you and serving you than we are yet enjoying. Father, thank you for forgiveness that washes away our failures. Thank you for your present work in our life that would invite us not to live in the past, but in the present. God, help us to die with Paul, that one thing we do to forget those things which are behind. But then to die, to stretch, to reach for things that are in front of us, things that you're speaking to us, things that you said you would work out in us to will and to do for your good pleasure. Help us to hear it, to respond, and to draw near and draw after you. God, forgive us, forgive me for for where complacency has been, spaces in my heart. I grieve over it. I grieve over it for me. I grieve over it for your people. That we would settle for not living in the life that you have, for the wonderful beauty of sanctification, of being washed and forgiven and stepping more towards life that you would have us to do today. Rescue us from complacency. Help us to press stretch, reach for more. More of you, more of what you have, more of what you're doing, more of what you want our lives to be, more of the impact that you have them to make. God, give us that that is bound not in a New Year's resolution, but in a, in, in a wonder of newness in Christ. Lord, found in, in the power of that sanctifying influence that you have in us. 
cause us to stretch out and reach out for that and to walk, to walk today and tomorrow and as many days as you give it to walk in that newness of life. Got to ask for it for each of us now, surrendering it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.